0: Hey fiends! As a little treat, we're excited to share this week's Patreon episode here with you all. Uh, if you're not subscribed to patreon.com thefrankencast, you're missing a second episode like this one from us every week. For less than the cost of a cup of coffee, etc, etc. Um, but, you know, we were particularly proud of this one and we wanted to share Elizabeth's poem with more of you, so we decided to make it available here on the main feed. Enjoy! What would have been my right hand, delicate fingers discolored a bit, a ghost of a ring, a seam at the wrist, belonged to Miss Clark, believed drowned in Cumberland Lakes, her father to never recover. He buried an empty coffin, sent her infant hair for a morning locket, a jet death's head, not dead, but asleep, carved, a scrollwork lie around the skull motif. It gleams dully, part of an uncatalogued collection, willed to Matterdale Church years ago and forgotten. Sarah Clark drowned, true, and the resurrection has cheered their good fortune. A healthy prophet, that right hand, her liver, the still flexible joints of her knees, the virgin center between her thighs alone were the gold guinea. Victor took only pieces of the small framed the slight, bits of bird-boned girls compared in life to sparrows. He would not build a second giant to terrorize the race of men. I never had Sarah's face, heavy with water, fed upon by turtles and swimming things, deemed unfit for scientific use numbered pages, labeled samples, but no flesh both nibbled and rotten, however often he scrawled filth and dread jaggedly in rigid margins. Lily lost her left hand, both feet, a graceful neck. Hannah, unlucky girl, will rise someday to meet her maker with no head. He chose her for the port wine stain that spilled from eye to chin, a flaw made by nature, harmless to his results. Pity the syndic's son, growing morbid in his seaside charnel house. Sea salt cleanses but cannot remove the stink of furtive purchases from men who reek of gin, churchyard loam, and profiteering, flecks of skin caught carelessly as soap slivers under nails, dead girls' names hawked like penny dreadfuls. The resurrectionists reach conclusions, mutter darkly about perversions and nature spurned, and bring a new corpse every night. Their pockets jingle with wedding rings, black brooches inlaid with amber coins that lately adorned the eyes of classicists suspicious of the life everlasting virgin high-breasted he knew a bride's cast even this Eve who never met the serpent cane marked before I drew breath what would have been my body jerked under current Sarah's fingers spasming rhythmic grasping at life again Lily's lovely neck stiffening arching Hannah's mouth pulled slack as a frogs I remember he wept I remember not one body, but ten or twelve superimposed, phantom limbs partly revived dream of phantom holes. The souls toss and turn, seeking to occupy the same space on the slab, while outside the waves clamor for the return of Matilda's breasts, Petitia's thigh bones, Sarah's knees. Victor wept at the sound and fled, always leaving me half-made. So Adam found me, too tall for the hovel door, squatting and peering at my naked, dismembered specimen. If he found me disgusting unworthy a grotesquerie he did not say i could not turn my head to read his face lust mingled with despair has its own stink sweet like formaldehyde bitter and sharp as urine victor more pygmalion than prometheus now shuddered when the sea breeze stiffened my nipples even as he jotted his observation of this curious effect the ronger of my belly stolen from a deaf mute never baptized was the horizon silhouetting an army of devils yet unborn. One cannot trust the female of a species to keep compacts made by the male, to leave civilization at peace, to accept exile in a country of endless light, a cave of verdant greenery, a bed of leaves and diet of berries. I would have been happy with an Eden carved out in another land, too remote to further trouble Victor's dreams. I think I would have been happy. The stone beach ran with congealed blood, infused with salt water, the screams indistinguishable, pack howls hurled at the moon. I had no voice to cry out, even before he dashed poor Hannah's head, ripped from Lily's neck, against a rock until it ceased to breathe. Sarah's nails clung to algae, found no purchase, sank. The other hand, crushed under Victor's boot like a scuttling crab as it scrabbled to flee. What safety it sought, no one can know. The same coins that bought our body purchased driftwood, lamp oil, and inattention. The promontory blazed bright, then stank of spoiled pork for weeks. A child brought its mother a shell the next season, a curiously polished, smooth thing plucked from Thorso Harbor. Thus the smallest toe of our left foot gathers dust still among a collection of beads and stones in a china bowl kept in a curio handed down from great-grandmother. This is the interchange of kindness, the wages of commerce with monsters, A shiny bone, blackened meat, nothing left to rise again. Hello, and welcome once again to the Frankencast. I'm the mad scientist, Anthony Bowman. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm joined as always by
1: the bits of bird bone girls. That is Eric Velasquez. My pronouns are also he, him. Sorry, I I just wanted to use part of the poem.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... It's so good, like, every line of this is just so good, like, um, so, yeah, this week we're talking about the poem Anything So Utterly, Utterly Destroyed, destroyed. Uh, by Elizabeth R. McKellen, who actually reached out to us on Twitter um, several months back, uh, was in a conversation with somebody about how there needs to be more Frankenstein movies directed by women, mm-hmm. Um, and she replied and was like hey if any women directors want to try to make a movie of my poem it's out there that's cool and when i read it i was like hell yes somebody needs to make a movie of this because it's so good
1: right all right so yeah definitely elizabeth thank you for uh showing the interest in us and actually sharing your poem with us this is from october of uh, 2010
0: You, you know if you're familiar with Mary Shelley's novel, of course, you're going to recognize this title. It's uh, mm-hmm. um, very you know, cool. Very cool. Bro. Yeah, it's what Frank, you know, Victor describes a tree being struck by lightning and says he's never seen anything so utterly destroyed. Um, but here, you know, it kind of has it has layers because we have the female creature who was created from destroyed bodies and then is also destroyed again mm-hmm. before she ever comes to life. So. Oh there's nothing so utterly destroyed as someone who's been destroyed twice twice over. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's really, it's a really cool idea. Like, you know, of all the different perspectives we've seen, you know, different angles that this story can be told. I don't think I've ever seen one where like, so this poem is from the perspective of the bride who is not made like the bride after she has been unmade and destroyed. It's kind of like
1: in a limbo of sorts. Yeah. And she's talking about all the pieces that she's basically made of.
0: Yeah. So, like, yeah, I mean, it starts with her kind of listing things. We, we get like, you know, we, we meet Sarah Clark, this, this girl who was drowned and, you know, um, her body was never found. And so her, you know, her right hand and I think her liver and parts mm-hmm. of her knees. Yep. Um, and of were, course,
1: there's other bits <laughs> that are taken as well.
0: Yeah, and the, 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 she's, she just describes, she says, the, the virgin center between her thighs, which is, like, just, I mean, a great description there. Very
1: poetic, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, uh, yeah, we, we talk about that, like, her family, you know, never, they weren't able to mourn her because her body was never found, um, what, they had to make a, a mourning locket Mm -hmm. using infant hair instead of her, the hair from her, you know, dead body. Right. Um, Which,
1: that's a practice. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't hear much about that anymore.
0: Yeah. And I, I really like the little kind of aside. Like, she mentions that the locket had inscribed on it, not dead, but asleep. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that was a scrollwork lie. Right. Um, that, yeah, you that's know.
1: really
0: good. Yeah. Sarah Clark is definitely the the part of the bride that we mostly get introduced to. That kind of, like, leads into, you know... The Resurrection Men, it, w- it was such a blessing to them that they just found this corpse washed up. You know, they didn't even have to dig for her. And she was a, a small, slight woman. And that, you know, we get this this comment that, you know, when creating the Bride, Victor took pains to only use the, uh, as you said, the b- bird-boned girls compared in life to sparrows because he didn't want to make another
1: giant, giant monster. <laughs> I mean, like, that makes sense, right? You're dealing yeah, with one we, that's... Oversized.
0: Yeah, we don't want something else that can is just going to be a killing machine. Mm-hmm. But we do find out that the bride does not have Sarah's face because that was fed upon by uh, aquatic creatures, and you know, so it wasn't useful. Right. Um, in addition to Sarah, you know, Victor bought parts from a girl named Lily and a girl named Hannah who had a a large birthmark that made her unattractive to some people, but not bother victor in the least right
1: which okay the the, the whole like what were they called the port wine st- port wine stains mm-hmm. boo boo <laughs> to the people who think that's like just immediately make somebody a horrifying monster yeah oh, that's silly yeah it, it like that does
0: feel you know it feels like in this case where you know victor's like the creature is just looking for someone to love. Like the Mm -hmm. the creature doesn't care. Like that's not going to be an issue. Um, Like it's harmless to his results is is the way she describes it. So then we kind of like, she kind of talks about like the taint of what Victor's doing on him that like Mm he's, you know, spent all this time like with corpses in his lab. Uh, There's just no cleaning off the literal stench of that nor the metaphorical stench of, you know, having to deal with these resurrection men and these, you know, this dark uh,
1: work. Right. Well, he, he, she even says he's growing morbid, which mm-hmm. that's great because that's also kind of another reference to, you know, death and decay is the morbidity.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's so many bits in here that are just like, every, like, I I've never been a big poetry reader and definitely not a poetry writer because it's just it requires so much investment from mm-hmm. on both sides. Like every word has to mean multiple things when it's done right. And this is done so right. Mm-hmm. It's easier to interpret than a lot of poems for me because it's a very familiar subject. So like uh, I, I'm able, or yeah, I'm finding those threads to pull a little more easily than I might from, you know, just some other poem.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, obviously with the nature of what we're doing here and you know, how, how familiar we are, it's like, oh, okay, you know, these bits and pieces <laughs> are, um, it comes to us a little bit more, it's more uh, readily apparent, right? Yeah. But, yeah, so we also go on to talk about, so we do have a little bit more reference to Sarah's fingers, spas- uh, spasming rhythmic, grasping at life. So we know that Sarah was, like, someone who kind of grabbed life, right, and, mm-hmm. and really enjoyed it. And then we also have Lily's lovely neck, stiffening, arching. So I'm guessing, you know, obviously she was kind of a beauty. Mm Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, that's the way they think about it. Uh, However, Hannah's mouth pulled slack as a frog. Rough. (laughs) Rough, man. Uh, She also mentions,
0: like, you know, that Victor, like, tried to make, like, her look like the perfect bride, that she's virginal, high-breasted, um and then we get a another reference to the birthmark and she says like this eve that had never met the serpent serpent being like you know she's virginal like Mm -hmm. that serpent but also you know not the serpent serpent from the (laughs) (laughs) um but she says she's cane marked like you know because you know supposedly Cain had some sort of birthmark to indicate that he would was punished or whatever but uh you know so it's interesting that like she hasn't even drawn breath she's innocent in all ways she's made of virgin parts and is a newborn or not even newborn hasn't even been born right um but is already like marked as as evil because she's monstrous right
1: and i we've talked about this in the past and we've had references and things like this before but the whole idea of like one personality slash person kind of superimposed over the others Mm-hmm. and that being overlaid onto basically this one creature's frame effectively, you know. That's that's yeah. a, that's a lo- great way to put it. Not one body but 10 or 12 superimposed phantom limbs partly revived. Come on.
0: Yeah. How good is that? It it's it, it's similar to the um the patchwork movie that we mm-hmm. watched, which yeah. is interesting that again it was it's women mm-hmm. um which uh, it seems like that's an interesting coincidence but maybe it's not like maybe maybe there is something a little bit more aware of their bodies that, that women like women interact with their bodies in ways that men don't they, they're they they're more present in a lot of ways um, so maybe that's the reason that, that this comes up specifically when we end up talking about female
1: creatures yeah I think you just blew my mind because I'm looking back and like Okay, so hear me out. Throughout most of the movies we've watched, if it is a male creature, that creature mostly has a sense of I, right? Mm-hmm. It is all I. No matter what parts I'm made of, it is I, mm-hmm. right? But, like, Frankenhooker, um, as you said, Patchwork, this story, it's us mm-hmm oh huh. that's interesting yeah yeah I,
0: it makes me want to like keep looking for female creature stories to see if this is a, a common thread
1: yeah because i off the top of my head i can't think of a single like male creature that's like us
0: yeah i mean it It, it always is like they're they're self-aware and just connected to themselves and what they want you know they're the um but yeah right. every time it's the, the 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 female creature is aware of their other parts and like what that means that like they were made from others and um yeah it's a it's an interesting awareness
1: damn it elizabeth if i can call you elizabeth if you're okay with that (laughs) why are you making me think like this (laughs) no i love it it's really great yeah
0: yeah and you know so like, like you said you know she talks about the phantom limbs and that like these, you know, there's these souls that are tossing and turning in this body trying to like occupy the same space while, and she said, well, outside the, the waves clamor for the return of these parts and it, the waves kind of, I think, you know, literally Victor's going to throw the parts away into the ocean, but I think it's, you know, metaphorically like death claimed these women and now parts of them have been stolen away and death wants them back, back. so yeah. it wants the return of matilda's breasts and leticia's thigh, thigh bones and sarah's knees
1: those knees must mm-hmm. have been some really good knees <laughs> yeah but we even uh-huh. have a mention kind of of Vic- victor and wept at the sound so basically this is referencing when he was uh like what am i doing <laughs> why am i making another creature you know, yeah. know, so, oh, so that means we're getting close to like, like you said, basically the dispersal of the body parts. Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah, he, he, you know, fled and left her, you know, uh, half made, like taken apart. Um, and then I found it really interesting, you know, like we often talk about the creature never really has a name. There's like, you know, various terms used over the years and one that comes up occasionally is Adam, um, and she specifically says, you know, her Adam found her and, you know, uh, a couple stanzas before referred to herself as the Eve who had never met the serpent. Right. But yeah, Adam, you know, of course finds her, you know, naked and dismembered and, you know, destroyed.
1: Right. It said, if he found me disgusting, he did not say. So it, it either implies that he still found her beautiful in her pieces or mm-hmm. so.
0: Yeah, okay. and but unfortunately, because yeah. she's been disassembled, she right. couldn't turn to look. So they don't get to have this moment. Like they don't, you know, they don't get to look at one another here.
1: Right.
0: Then we get a, a kind of a strange little stanza that talks about. It, it almost feels like as Victor is making the bride, he realizes that like the creation of a female body is different than the creation of a male body, mm-hmm. and he starts to kind of like. Experience maybe some lustful feelings about Ugh. what he's making, and then uh, is
1: disturbed by this. Right, and I do think it's interesting that she compares it to more Pygmalion than Prometheus, right? Because mm-hmm. Prometheus like brought life, whereas Pygmalion sculpted it. So he groped the clay and and kind of formed it with his hands mm-hmm. to bring. A, I think it Galatea was the was her name, yeah, for life.
0: Uh, and, and then I think that when Victor sort of, like, accepts the sexuality of the bride, mm-hmm. then the other side of that coin is that, you know, he realizes, oh, you know, if she is a female-bodied creature and is going to be the bride of, of the male-bodied creature that I've already made, this body is the horizon of an army of monsters yeah. uh, that that could come forward, so... Um, obviously that, that kind of comes up in, in the novel as well, but it, it here is just beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, you know, Victor can't, uh, you know, can't abide the idea that there may be more monsters born from this union.
1: Right, well, not only that, but he, I mean, she mentions that, you know, this female creature can't, it can't be held to the same, the rules that he, or the, the deal he makes with the male creature, right? She can mm-hmm. do whatever the hell she wants when she comes to life.
0: Yeah, I mean, she, you know, she wasn't even in existence when this deal was made, so Mm -hmm. she has no reason necessarily to honor this agreement.
1: Right, she doesn't have to go into exile. She could literally just go, no, I think if if we do have kids, we're going to stay right here in jolly old England, (laughs) or Scotland, I guess. And then, uh, or we may go to Switzerland (laughs) and stay by the family estate, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But she does kind of, like, she, you know...
0: We have all these, these moments with, like, the creature where, you know, he belongs dead, you know, whether it's in the Bride movie or, like, um, you know, just the novel. But here, I think sh- you can see that, that this Bride wants to live. She's right. like, you know, I didn't have to follow the, the agreement, but, like, between, you know, not existing and having to live a life of exile, I think I could have been happy in exile. Like, right. I think I would have been fine.
1: Well, going back to the biblical references... Would have, that would have been her Eden. Mm-hmm. And she would have been happy there.
0: Yeah. But instead, you know, she's torn apart and, you know, the beach runs with her blood mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. you know, Water. yeah, as Victor, you know, carries her out and, and casts her into the sea as he does in the novel. Um But we do get some bits here where, like, you know, it seems like there may be sparks of life still passing through her. Mm-hmm. Um Victor... Crushes Hannah's head uh, to s- stop it from breathing, mm-hmm. and stomps on a hand that is scuttling away like a crab.
1: Right, which that's that's wild. But yeah, like, like you said, he basically rins Hannah's neck from our uh, head from Lily's neck. So mm-hmm. tearing tearing the best pieces, or at least what she considers her best pieces, apart.
0: Yeah. At that point, she says like the same coins that bought our body, you know, purchased wood and oil um, and inattention which is nice so like uh, you know Victor you know uses his wealth to pay off people who might be curious as to what this funeral pyre he is building on this beach
1: don't be so curious right
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, and you know so instead of the cliff you know blazed bright with her pyre and and then stank of spoiled pork pork for weeks which is just a I mean Mm. just a gruesome you know visceral image um but then the so like i think you know that that's sort of the lingering smell is sort of like a ghostly remnant of what could have been you know it's it's an unpleasant smell but it shows that she kind of lives on past this but then the the final like two stanzas really show her living on in small ways Mm -hmm. um because years later uh, a child finds a little shell on the beach a smooth polished unidentifiable little item that he gives to his mother and generations later it's still collecting dust in a in a bowl Curio. passed down from mother to daughter uh, just full of beads and stones and buttons you know just we all have one of those little jars of just odd little curios that um and so right of course and, there's always that... the
1: macabre ones right <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, yeah, and she says this is the smallest toe of her left foot Mm -hmm. uh, living on, you know, in this. Oh, no,
1: it's not her left foot. It's our left foot.
0: Mm, Right, of course. But, yeah, I thought that, you know, that's, it's a really nice sort of way, you know, it's like she's sort of anonymous and forgotten. But at the same time, she's living on, you know, like Victor completely, uh, you know, obliterated her. She's, you know, utterly destroyed, as we've talked about. But, like there's still that part that's there um it's kind of you know like the novel ends with victor's you know with the monster the 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 male creation Mm -hmm. drifting away sort of into like iconic status you know like he's he's disappearing but he's never gone you know he's become this this cultural juggernaut right um so like you know mary says he drifts off into darkness and distance but he doesn't really like he
1: yeah he rides off into the legend
0: (laughs) yes exactly whereas the bride literally has kind of faded away into darkness and distance Mm -hmm. um you know we've just got this little part left that you know as far as the people the people who own the last piece of her in existence think it's a shell and it's collecting dust in a bowl like it's not uh you know like you said it's our left foot like it's it's the last piece of them collectively um and it's the smallest piece possible it is she's boiled down to you know i don't think there's a thing from a human smaller than the the bone of the little toe
1: right other than going into cell, the cellular level right
0: yeah so it's it's a it's a deeply melancholy ending but there's something where it's like the consciousness is still there telling this story. And so there's, there's something a little beautiful about that as well.
1: Yeah. It's a really good. Yeah. it's a really good poem. Just, I, I,
0: yeah. I, this is, I, I don't know that I would have found this otherwise. Right, so yeah. I was really glad that Elizabeth uh, kind of just brought it to our attention because it's absolutely a beautiful
1: piece of work. It is. Like, yeah. I mean, and to encapsulate like, so much of a story right and mm-hmm. i mean not a super small amount but it's it's a, a, a few lines right it's not what would what would you say probably a page maybe half a page
0: yeah i mean you know with like the stanza breaks and stuff it would it would maybe take two pages up you know but like if you just wrote it out as sentences yeah it, it maybe would fill a page right. but it's just so rich Today's the
1: whole story right exactly mm-hmm at least from one character's point of view.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's really nice to kind of see, you know, we keep coming back to the story of Victor and the monster, you know, over and over again, and and because it's a compelling story and we love it, but it's nice getting these little looks at other characters that are maybe forgotten about and and deserve a little bit more attention.
1: Like, Ernest, damn it!
0: (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> if somebody can direct us to to some Ernest stuff, we would definitely <laughs> there, talk about Ernest. There
1: earnest. is no way that anything exists about that guy. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, it's it's like the 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 whole swath of destruction that these two individuals left, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Victor and his monster, his cre- creature, and like everyone who suffered in the background, basically. And yeah. Yeah. Of course, who, who would even think to think of the bride? even though she was composed of other you know people
0: yeah since she you know never really comes to life it's just kind of you, you just never think of her as being a her like you just mm-hmm. think of her uh, you know you just think like that was an experiment that victor stopped you right. know didn't proceed with it never became anything more than an it but you right. read this and this is yeah i mean it's a you know beautiful story about a woman who wanted to exist and and didn't get the chance right
1: and the thing that makes it even sadder is it seems like if she had she would have been happy to calm the the creature down and she Mm -hmm. would have maybe been a positive influence on both of their lives
0: yeah like this this version of the bride's very different than the one from the james whale movie Mm -hmm. who like you know recoiled in horror and was kind of animalistic. This is a very like thoughtful, open-hearted individual that, like, yeah, could have, could have made everything better. Like the ending of the novel would have been very different had right. this this creation been allowed to exist.
1: It, it might be a little bit more like Addie Size ending, where there's kind of like the whole family to a degree mm-hmm. getting together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This definitely has a similar heart to unwieldy creatures. Like it's. Right. Um, it's a love for these um, forgotten characters. And, and you know, it, it's a gift to a beloved character and let, to let it, to let the character sort of breathe in a new way.
1: Right. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Elizabeth, uh, thank you for bringing uh, our attention to this. And if anyone else has any more uh, Frankenstein related media, we'd be more than happy to, to hear about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're always looking for things to talk about. Um, and of course, thank you all who are listening. We really appreciate your support. Uh, it means the world to us that we can get to do things like this, to sit down and, you know, be introduced to this, you know, piece of art and, and get to talk about it. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a dream come true and, and we appreciate your all support to allow us to keep doing it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, a, it's an enriching experience. So it's, Absolutely. it's amazing. Yep, thank you all. Um, do we have anything else, Anthony? I think that's it. Alright, well in that case, we continue. Looks like you survived another episode. The Frankencast
0: is a production of FCR Media. It's hosted by Anthony Bowman and Eric Velasquez. Follow us on Twitter at the Frankencast, or send us a letter at the at gmail.com. Our cover art is by Amanda Keller. You can find her at Keller Illustrations on Instagram. Our theme music is by Vivek
1: Abishek. Thanks for listening.